twisting it around or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna. Because it ain't gonna do it. Yeah. I'm not sure what the what the deal is. Boy, now I really gotta follow my notes. <laughs> this may be a problem. No, I think it'll. I think it'll work. We may have to grab our hymnals here for the last. The last hymn, but other than that, yeah, I think we'll we'll make it. We'll make it work. All right. Well, you saw my title. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Common refrain of young children on a road trip. One of those questions that children ask, where the answer. It feels like it should be obvious. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Thank you, Irma. <laughs> Does it work yet? Yeah. I'm going to be the, the question. Is it there yet? Is it there yet? I don't know. Oh, look at that. That's right. Are we nearly there yet, right? I always think of our, our friend Terry Brown with this, with this uh, projector. I, I, I think, I think the day that the Lord called him home, he was working on trying to get a movie to play through this thing up here at the church. Ah, I'm trying to remember. Sarah may may remember. I, I think it was after he died. She kind of said, "Well, would you do you want do you want this projector?" And we'd used it a time or two with some funerals and so on. And uh, and, and then I, I think I really I really dug into it with uh, with COVID when we decided we weren't going to use hymnals as much or at all. Probably think about him. Well, I think about him almost every every week when I'm working on it, thinking, ah, project, that, that thing really, I don't know where he got it. He told me he, he got it, he found it somewhere in a state sale or a garage sale or something where he kind of came up on it, and it served us well. So hopefully, keeps up. Now, to the sermon, right? <clears throat> Are we nearly there yet? Are we there yet? I can remember going to Wichita as a young kid. And uh, we would typically take the turnpike, so I knew various markers along the way. And I knew when we were almost there, and I knew when we weren't almost there, and I knew Emporia on the way down was just a little bit more than halfway, and I knew when we got to El Dorado and got off of the turnpike to go to Park City, which is a little town just, uh, just outside of Wichita where my grandparents lived. I always knew whether we were nearly there yet or not, but... Sometimes it feels good to have somebody tell you, yes or no. James, boy, old James, he, 
he was not one to sugarcoat. I think I've said that in almost every message over the last week or over the last month or so as we looked at James. And the same is true today. Now here's the real test. Oh, look at that. Worked from James 3. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people. (laughs) I don't think James sent out many Christmas cards. You ever think of it? He doesn't, he doesn't seem like a Hallmark kind of a guy. But he says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I think what James is describing, at least in part, is what godly wisdom looks like. And so I've attempted to approach it from or with in mind the question that children, sometimes not so young children, ask, are we there yet? Have we made it? Are we living out what James has described, what he goes into, I don't know, what was that? 10 or 15 verses or so to outline. Are we there yet? Imagine with me a story that we've heard and maybe at least to some degree lived. In our story, we are not participants. We're simply observers. We see two people in their mid-twenties, or maybe a little older, meet. A handsome young man and a beautiful young woman, and upon meeting in a cookbook aisle of a local bookstore, they strike up a conversation. And before they realize it, they're sitting down in the coffee shop at the store and becoming acquainted, and they exchange phone numbers and even take the step of becoming friends on Facebook before parting ways. And through Facebook, they set up a date to meet the next Saturday. He brings flowers and 
They go out for a nice meal, and she's all he thinks about, and he can't get her off of his mind, and the relationship grows ever and ever closer. But there exists just one problem. Now, their shared interests are perfectly compatible, and their spiritual convictions are even in line, and it seems like a perfect fit, and it all makes sense. But they're both married to other people already. They've already committed themselves to someone else. People who they've made vows to. People who they truly and deeply love. We would look at that and say, "How how could you do such a thing? And display such... Well, foolishness, the opposite of godly wisdom. Have you forgotten the vows that you took on your wedding day and the way that they are meant to be lived out until death parts you? And James, though not in quite as much detail, is asking the same question of the readers of his epistle. I don't trust my projector enough to really test it. So I'm going to turn to my Bible. When he says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Later on, he calls them Double-minded. This this splitting of allegiances is what he is outlining and what he is suggesting to them is the opposite of godly wisdom. Now, his words are strong. He says, you murder, you covet, you steal. He's asking them to Remember, even as the book of Revelation says, remember your first love. Remember the commitment that you've made of your whole life to live out and to seek godly wisdom. He wants to remind them that they have embarked on a journey, one in which perseverance and faithfulness in the face of trial is absolutely essential. That they are and we are, as people who claim the name of Christ, in it for the long haul. So the question maybe is not, are we there yet, but are we still making progress? That question asked by young children, are we there yet? Sometimes the thought may be that if I ask it enough, I'll somehow, I'll somehow get there more quickly. That the duration of the journey will be shortened if I just keep asking, are we there yet? Maybe, maybe we don't ask it enough. 
Maybe as those who count ourselves followers of Christ and who emphasize that moment in time where a personal decision is made to, as we say sometimes, accept Jesus into our hearts, you know, pray that, that prayer where we are simply uh, uh, agreeing with God about who God says we are and committing ourselves to live lives of discipleship to Christ. Yes, we believe that it happens in that moment in time where grace is bestowed and justification occurs and, and we are seen as forgiven. Sometimes an emphasis of that can lead to an underemphasis, I think, on what we are committing ourselves to. On living out that faith. As James likes to call it, works. To do those things that James outlines as godly wisdom. James says to his readers that you too have made a commitment to Christ and we find ourselves dabbling in the wisdom of the world. Maybe better put the priorities of the world. Those things that we think will make us more happy, more fulfilled, whatever the case may be, the same thing exists for us as temptation some 2,000 years later. As we elevate the priorities and the wisdom of our world above those outlined in Scripture and specifically the Gospels, where we're tempted to live our own lives based on the world's wisdom, to do anything to get ahead, That the happiest people are those who have the most money, or even that the purpose of our life is our own happiness. Oh, sounds good. That's just not the way of Jesus. Jesus outlined this, this life of self-sacrifice, of putting others, and their needs ahead of ourselves, turning the other cheek. There are elements of Jesus teaching that we really have to trust is wise, don't we? Because it feels so counterintuitive to those things that we think in our own human understanding would lead to good outcomes. But we've started on the journey. And we have committed ourselves to walking in the wisdom of God, to learning the wisdom of God, and learning to apply the wisdom of God, and making the decision to apply the wisdom of God each day, progressively more and more. So James' warning is simply to avoid being double-minded, that we're on a journey, and it can feel like a very long one. And maybe we find ourselves, at least in the quietness of our own hearts and minds, asking the question that, as parents, we have likely been asked dozens, maybe hundreds of times, are we there yet? The answer is the same that we give when asked, 
thy little voices coming from the back seats. Not yet. We're not there yet. But with each turn of the wheel, we're getting closer. We're getting closer. And as the hymn that we sang several minutes ago reminds us that one day we will stand face to face before the one who has come for us and the one who has walked with us. And our prayer is, our faith teaches that he will look at us and say, you've run the race. You've finished the course. You've won the prize. Lord, we pray that we would be inspired by the challenge offered by James. That we would not be a double-minded people, that we would remember the commitments that we have made, that we would not stray, tempting though it may be. We would we would uh, realize and perceive and know that you are drawing us closer and that one day we will be there. Give us strength. Give us grace to continue our journeys this day and throughout this week. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.